Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. I am very uh, pleased to uh, welcome back an old friend um, and a good friend, Peter Grandich from PeterGrandich.com, uh, who has um, been in, um, who has been, uh, you know, talking to us about economics, talking to us about um, God's plan for economics and, and fiscal matters, and is always a great go-to guy when it comes to economic indicators, but usually, Peter, I mean, more of the larger movements in uh, in the economy. And uh, you're coming along here at a great time to discuss this because, you know, this was one of the core arguments in Joe Biden's State of the Union address that they had conquered inflation and that the economy has never been better. Um, and then today, as we're talking about this, of course, the consumer price index comes out and shows that Inflation still going up. Um, it's even accelerating a bit now again. Um, and most of what Joe Biden told us about the economy was just flat out wrong. Joe Biden was wrong. I can't believe that, Ed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go figure, right? Um, uh, that's the reason why I'm talking to you, because, you know, not only do I know that you're just a really smart guy and, and really have a grasp on all these things, but you also have the most credible credibility bookshelf of of all my of all my guests so you know you're the guy i got to talk to about this it's what's left of a once dealing in the sports world and i tell you after watching two national anthems at the nfl i'm glad i got out of that business but you can save that for another day that topic <laughs> well that's okay um yeah you know actually it was it was one of the uh, lesser of the woke uh athletic events over the last few years but yeah they uh the uh, the black national anthem followed by the actual national anthem. I was uh, that was a little off putting for me and my friends. We were watching it at a Super Bowl party, so you know I hear you on that. Um, but we'll come back to that another time. I think um, first off, where do you see the economy right now? I mean, I, I don't want to tell people to set their hair on fire, but it's a it's it's a lot more uh, distressed, I think, than even some of the maybe some of the um, the moderate Democrats are, are talking about, or even some of the moderate, um, you know, uh, media outlets, if you could find one these days. Um, this is, this is not healthy. Where we're going is not healthy. And the feds, basically the only, the only, um, the only tool in the toolbox right now, right? So we could start and talk about what a lot of people know about, and that's the debt crisis. You and I have spoken about that for oh, years. Yeah. It just gets worse and worse. The one that's not on everybody's mind yet, but it's going to be, is the coming retirement crisis. Uh, but let's start with the economy. First, let's go back to the employment number that came out recently. It was the most fudged number in my 39 years about being around Wall Street. When you take out the many changes to seasonal and other ways that they calculate, that number was far less. In fact, some people have gotten it down to about only 100,000, which makes sense because that's where the ADP number was. ADP doesn't have an ax to grind where the government can look favorable with uh, making numbers look better than they are. So I don't think, to begin with, the employment is anywhere as good as one people believe. And of course, that was just before his State of the Union. And they used that as a tool to point out on how how, how well supposedly the economy is doing. Yep. But I think when you when you start to look at 
one thing I know you would appreciate because politics has been a part of your business for life. I was surprised. I thought it was going to take a few more years, but they used to say a politician would be putting his foot on the third rail if he talked about cutting entitlements. In fact, your, your political career was over if you did it. Well, they got that one out. That one's out now. They can talk about it. Now, they suddenly both said, no, it's not us. It's not us. But it's out there. And, and that's the way it'll get started uh, to be worked on. And when you take in the fact that we're going to have close to $33 trillion in hard debt now on the national debt level, estimates of Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, which there's no money sitting somewhere to pay these upcoming expenses. Right. Uh, you know, that's been spent years ago when it was taken out of our, when our dollar could buy more. Uh, and so some estimates as much as $70 trillion. So there's this... 8,000, 8 million pound uh, elephant in the room, and it's debt. It's debt for what we owe. It's debt on entitlements. And the retirement issue is going to bring to the forefront. And Ed, this brings my business way down, my planning business. People do not want to hear what I'm about to tell you, but it's a fact of life. So I live with it. And I, maybe I feel a little bit like a prof prophecy, you know, giving out news that people don't want to hear. First of all, we're seeing statistics now where about three quarters of Americans are working paycheck to paycheck. That has been widely demonstrated to be the case. A lot of different people have come up with it. We've also seen now independent groups come up with studies and show how limited amount of Americans have retirement savings worthy enough to live some sort of life that they plan on once they stop working. The other thing that's going to come with that, not only are people going to be concerned, in fact, polls show now, if you talk to seniors, they are more worried about running out of money than dying. I mean, that's a, that's a God's honest truth. That fears them more than just passing away. And then there's one other thing, and it just started now. It was in the news. It didn't get a lot of coverage, but I saw it and it made sense to me. I've spoken about there's going to be a coming age battle sooner or later people that are going to be more taxed because that's the only way they'll ever raise the money for the Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. They either cut expenses, which politicians aren't good at, or raise taxes. So we're going to come to a point where some 30 or 35-year-old young person who's seeing the, his taxes being taken more and more and can't get the things that he or she hoped for, and is going to say, wait a minute, I'm paying for an 80-year-old to have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of medical care or transplants or things of nature. And then the older person is going to say, wait a minute, you took money from me all these years. Now I've been waiting for this. You, you got to take care of me. And so I called the battle of the ages. And we just saw a story in Japan where they expect within 20 to 25 years, there'll only be one person working for every person retired. And a professor there publicly stated that the best solution for that is basically for older people to take their own lives. And let's understand this. We're yeah. in we're in a culture of death now. I don't know, was 10 or 11 states now in the United States where you can basically take your own life or whatever. I don't know the exact number at all. And it's around the world. And these are things that are real. Now, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to impact the stock market tomorrow. But for anybody planning out three, five, seven, 10 years or more, the debt retirement crisis and these battles, not only of classes, but of ages, is going to be real. And, and, it, and it won't be pretty. You know, 
it's a it's a great point that you make though about the culture of death and where this is going to end up going um because you're already starting to see this maybe not so much in the united states yet but it's coming and you can take a look at our neighbors to the north to see exactly where this is going to go they are you know they have a um socialized medicine um in in canada uh they're you know it's it's completely government funded single payer government funded uh, and we're already and they also have euthanasia they have uh, you know what what you were talking about peter was um you know the right to doctor assisted suicide right um and they have that in canada it's part of their medical benefits in canada and it's gotten to the point now in canada where anytime that they're going to have to spend money on giving people the support they need to to continue to live um they are sending out counselors to try to convince these people to choose euthanasia instead um and it's not just once it's not just twice it happens all the time now up in canada because once you have this as an option especially in socialized medicine systems it rapidly turns into an expectation and then an obligation and um and because they don't want to spend the money on it and i think you're exactly right i think there's going to be tremendous economic pressure um or, or let me let me put it a different way because i'm an incentive guy you're an incentive guy i'm an incentive guy we 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 know that people respond to incentives they're going to start structuring the incentives here uh to convince people to check themselves out rather than starting to pay off the retirement you know the the promised retirement benefits and the promised medical care you know because medical care is more expensive when you're older just is um you just need more of it and and if it's completely government funded which medicare is at, at those ages you're going to be they're going to be looking for ways to save money and one way they can save money is to have people commit suicide <laughs> and and i i know that you know people will roll their eyes and say oh no this these guys are you know they should be fitted for the for the tin foil hats and peter i would just tell them look at canada see what's look see what's happening in canada and you can see what happens when you have a financial crisis you know single payer medical system and legalized euthanasia um that's a deadly 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 combination i think what's important and i've learned it the hard way because our planning business which we were correct what we were telling people the last few years has occurred and yet the business is way down because the outlook, when we speak about things of this nature, a debt crisis, a retirement crisis, I didn't even get to the point, which I know falls into your, your stronghold too, is that this is going to be the most dysfunctional Congress we ever had. And the reason is not only Republicans and Democrats don't get along and don't want to work together, there's fractions within each party. So I'm not expecting the tremendous need of fiscal policy that's been desperately gone for almost 20 years, uh, anybody that has a small business owner and all will tell you it's become just overregulated, if not by the federal government, by state and local, and it's become extremely difficult at a time when we really need fiscal management. So it, it's very hard to, to 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 say to somebody that they radical down the street to the guy that says, now, nah, like you said, that guy's tinfoil hat and all this other type of stuff, when in reality, these things are reality now. They're not hypothetical, like you just said. And it's not going to be too long because we've already accepted the culture of debt here already in certain states. So it's 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 not shocking. And here's another reason for it, Ed. Like it or not, 
the country's moving away from the way it was built on, on a faith base and has moved more to secularism, socialism, whatever you want to call it. And when you remove out that faith basis, you take a lot away of the incentive that people, because we're called to live. Whether you're Christian, Jewish, you're called to live. You're not called to take your own life and all. And as this shift comes, there'll be more pressure. And, and I, I will not be surprised that it's probably going to take somewhat longer because we didn't have the socialist medicine like Canada does. But if there's any country close to how we live and like us is Canada. So it's it's not too hard to believe it that one day, as you said, we're going to face it here as Canada faces it now. You know, and, and Peter, I don't want to get too much into the philosophical slash theological weeds here, but I, I do want to um, I, I do want to riff off of something that you just said here is that we're going away from a faith basis. I'd argue that we're just changing the faith basis. Instead of a faith in God, uh, instead of a faith in Scripture, and especially the scriptural, all of, and you, you mention this all the time, all the scriptural, you know, uh, proscriptions against acquiring, you know, large amounts of debt, um, we're replacing it with faith in other things, right? We're replacing it with faith in a state, uh, in the state, I should say. We're replacing it with, with faith in, you know, um, you know, I would say, you know, ethnic determinism. Um, we're replacing it with faith in the fad of the moment. Um, and what we're really doing, Peter, and this is really getting into the weeds, <laughs> is we're replacing God with ourselves. And each of us are our own little petty gods. <laughs> and, and that's really part of the issue here, because once you do that, you really disconnect from objective reality. And you end up living in a fantasy world. And if you doubt that, all you need to do is look at the financials behind Social Security and Medicare. That's a fantasy world, especially with the hundreds of trillions of dollars in unfunded mandates that are going that are already starting to come due as the boomers are retiring out. And are it's only going to get worse. It's a it's not even a Ponzi scheme. I mean, we've seen Ponzi schemes. This is this is a it's a theological Ponzi scheme. And Ed, the government is going to be called on by the people that suffer from that, which is going to be a, a large scale amount of people to somehow fix the issue. You know, here in New Jersey, uh, under not covered every day, but a, a growing problem. First of all, throughout the United States, there's a food problem. Go to any food bank in anywhere part of the country. And they'll tell you not only the amount of people coming to collect, but people up the scale of working that are coming to collect. Uh, but the, uh, the other issue, which falls both for low income and seniors, is housing. The housing system for most people are not going to be able to go into an, uh, uh, an aid house where you pay 10000 a month and they help you get dressed, you know, and all that type of stuff. People just can't afford that. And- the family has been broken. Uh, generations ago, three generations lived in one house. You, even though grandpa and grandma maybe not lived to the 90s like they do now, mostly families took care of the older people. That's not the case now, too. So that's another burden uh, that's out there. And it's, it's, a, it's a big burden here uh, in metropolitan areas because in the wealthy towns, they want some people to come and cut their lawns, clean their houses, and so forth. But those people can't live in those towns. The homes are all too expensive. 
And there they struggle because they have to go a pretty far distance to find housing that they can afford. So these are these are all issues that are going to play a role in the economy and politics and social that I can tell you right now, 98% of financial advisors are either not talking about it, don't want to talk about it, or most likely don't know about it. And anybody that's doing planning now for anybody past the next few years has to take these things into consideration, whether you like it or not. And most people don't like it. And that's why my business is gone like this, Ed. But I have to stand before the Lord. I already have enough to stand before him. I don't want him to tell me, hey, I gave you an insight that a lot of people didn't have and you should have shared it and you didn't. So it's kind of like, do it's not the easiest thing to do, but it is something I think people must be aware of. Absolutely. By the way, you can get a lot of this insight at petergrandage.com. You can get in contact with Peter if you're interested in, in discussing that type of stuff with him. So petergrandage.com, just want to keep that, that in mind. And, I, and I'll just give you a, a personal testimonial. It was Peter that really convinced me that the, the best way to prepare was to was to get rid of as much debt as you possibly could. And that led to a lot of really great things. We we moved to Texas. We got rid of we got rid of a lot of debt. Uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're still enjoying ourselves and it's not that we're not spending money. We are, you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's within our means. It's, we're doing things that are within our means and we're not extending ourselves beyond what our resources are. And it's that type of, it's that type of advice. I mean, it's common sense advice, but honestly, Peter, <laughs> you'd think it was common sense advice, but that has over the last, you know, it's really since the, since the last crash. All of the advice has been going the other way. Oh, you know, interest rates are at all-time lows. It's practically free money. Cash out your equity. Do this. Do that. Do that. the same type of stuff that led to the previous crash. Um, and during the pandemic, it looked like people were starting to get the message. Right? I mean, all of a sudden, savings rates went really went up really much. Went up. You know, um, spending rates went down. Uh, or debt rates went down. I should say. And. Um, I don't think spending went down. It did because of the shutdowns, but you know the the debt uh, debt percentages went down, savings percentages went up, and it looked like people had gotten sort of a wake up call. But you know, three years later, we're right back to where we were at then. Well, we're at record consumer debt. Seventy percent of the GDP is driven by consumer spending. Three quarters of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. They've had to resort to credit card use just to pay for necessities, gas, electrical bills, whatever it may be. And yet the, what I coined the don't worry, be happy crowd on Wall Street talks as if ah, I was just a bad year. It's just a blip in the road and we're all going to go back and live happily ever after. And the trouble with that is, Ed, if for some reason the market doesn't recover and make up a lot of the losses from last year, in fact, just stays flat, forget about even going down. Many plans, we're big believers in cash flow. The financial world teaches people to chase net worth. And you can already know it's a flawed process because you just have to read their disclaimer. If you understand legal disclaimers, you realize what little chance your plan actually has to work. That's why they have the disclaimer in there. But the bottom line is people have built an awful lot on the stock market for retirement because the Federal Reserve killed the fixed income market by dramatically lowering rates to zero. People years ago did not depend on the stock market once they got older. They depended on bonds and CDs that were 7 8 or 9%. And 
that is gone. And people have had to seek out more risk in order to maintain a lifestyle. And then they don't want to hear the three words that I use to everybody, Ed, less is more. Yep. So you you learned that. You you actually did from the time we first started talking and so forth. And, you know, I've talked scripturally, there's no support for debt. But even if you just look at it from a secular way, look at the look at the commercials that are on. Every minute there's a guy saying, you save 5% using this credit card and you win this. Meanwhile, you just spent it on something you probably didn't need. But that's the whole mentality now. And we don't, we haven't even talked about, and I can tell you 98% of financial advisors know nothing about this, the right. coming derivative problem. We have what's called derivatives in the financial world where people, in a sense, have sold a debt instrument eight times over. And it's kind of like I always say the producer movie. If you remember the great movie yes. producers, where yeah. they, they, they purposely sell 100 times more of the ownership thinking the play is going to bomb and then it's a success. Basically, that's where the derivative market's at. So all these things, I, you know, I try to reach out to people. I try to talk to them to get them prepared. I think that's the fairness. But these are things that are out there and it, it, it's moving in the wrong direction. That's that's the minimum somebody should walk away from this is. These things economically, socially, and politically are all going in the wrong direction. Yeah. And and look, I mean, one of these things going in the wrong direction would be so bad, but the problem is that they're all going in the wrong direction. And, uh, and, and I think that, well, you and I have talked about financial media and, and what their incentives are and their incentives are to keep jollying people along. But I'm, I'm surprised that there isn't more attention being paid to the way that these things are unfolding and especially on debt. And I think part of the reason is, is that to start covering debt in terms of personal debt, in terms of, you know, consumer debt, which is, you know, just unbelievable. Um, you'd have to start talking about national debt. And if you start talking about national debt, you're gonna have to start talking about spending. And the fact that we're adding, what, a trillion plus dollars a year <laughs> um, to that national debt now. I mean, it's just, it's stratospheric. And I don't think anybody wants to talk about that. There are too, ma too many oxes to be gored if you start talking about the, the 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 spending level, especially spending, you know, spending level and revenue level of the federal government. And that is that that's a sort of a corruption of the media of not covering the story that's right in front of us. That's going to end up being a complete disaster, especially if for some reason we have to go through another pandemic or if we have to go through an actual war. Um it will be a, a complete disaster for us. So take a 5% interest rate. Let's just say, or take even 3 or 4% that we get back to that level and that becomes the regular uh, interest rate. Put that on the $33 trillion because you're going to have to refinance that debt eventually. Right. You're going to be, you're, you're talking about a trillion and a half dollars in interest expense when, you know, it could be a third or, or more of the entire money that the United States takes in. But I'd like to answer before we run out of time, Ed, the financial media thing, because I'm going to tell you where they really, really did people a disservice most recently. And that was with cryptocurrencies, because if you went back and looked between a year ago and three years ago at a certain financial network and the other networks were guilty, but not anywhere near as one of them, 
They had person after person. They had kids that were 22 years old that suddenly became multimillionaires in these different coins and all. When their really only hard problem they've ever faced in their life was algebra class in high school just a few years ago. But here they were spending out advice. Ed, the cryptocurrency market, people were crushed by it. There are people that literally lost everything in the cryptocurrency market. And we haven't even gotten to the bottom yet because we haven't really seen how bad this FTX was. And so financial media, in my view, most of it does a disservice to the investing community. In fact, on the internet, they like to make fun of a certain person that's on a network and they say, just do the opposite of what he says. So they actually came out with a fund. There's actually a fund now called the inverse. You know who I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. And it literally just goes against whatever he says. And in that, But I think that's a that's a symbol to look at when historians look back and go, isn't that shameful? Somebody that's being let out by a network and, and their performance is so poor and they take no responsibility when things go wrong. And uh, so I, 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 that's why the internet has become a source for a lot of people uh, versus mainstream media. Uh, right. It just has. And th you're not shackled, you know, yeah, there's some prejudice. There's some people hard left and hard right. But a lot of people out there, uh, I learned to how much the government massaged the employment number by a gentleman online. He showed it. And, he, and when you looked at his numbers and everything, he was absolutely correct. Right. That, that network would never have that person on to tell that story. They no. don't want it. Doesn't no, I, I got into I got into debates with uh, some good econ reporters. I mean, these are guys that, generally speaking, are pretty decent at their jobs, right? I'm not going to name their names. I mean, if you were, if, if, if for people who were following me, they they could see who I was talking about. The people that I, I sometimes quote, I sometimes link, you know, and I was telling them there's no way <laughs> that you can tell me that there were 500 and something thousand jobs added at the same time that 1.2 million people just magically showed up in the workforce. Um, <laughs> I mean, and they were saying, well, yeah, but they were doing adjustments. I said, yes, that's the problem. I don't begrudge the Bureau of Labor Statistics doing their annual adjustments to their assumptions about the workforce. But let's report the January numbers as an artifact of that process, which was not being done. Um, a lot of these guys were just saying, hey, it's a, you know, the job market is hot. We added 500,000 jobs. No, we didn't. We got an artificial, uh, artif an artifact, if you will of a massive adjustment. It was much larger than the usual BLS adjustment. The BLS even said it was a larger, a much larger adjustment, something like three times the adjustment of, of, of you know, what took place. If you read the report, you knew where this was coming from. Um, and you're right. I mean, you had the ADP report and God knows the ADP is not really a great reliable indicator of what's going on with BLS numbers. But in this case, I mean, they're much closer to what the reality was of this. You take a look at those numbers and you can see that they added 1.2 million people to the workforce and less than half of them had jobs. <laughs> that was really the takeaway from this. So there's no way that you had a massive growth in jobs. What you had was a massive growth in the count of existing uh, workers and actually what looks like uh you know either a a tepid or non-existent growth in jobs it wasn't that difficult to figure out and yet the media doesn't want to break that down 
I don't even think they would have broken it down that way during the Trump during the Trump years. I don't think they would have. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. It's an unreality. It's this fantasy again that people <laughs> don't understand. The people who don't understand statistics are not being served well by the people who are supposed to understand this stuff. And then they actually print the number that people don't look at. They call the unadjusted employment number. So you don't take in the new adjustments they made. It was a hundred and something thousand in employment. It was right there. Okay. And, but it's already in it. 98% of the people take that as gospel and, and they, they work with it. And I don't think it was coincidence. It was just a couple of days before the state of the union. Okay. Uh, put my tinfoil hat on, but I'm, I'm, I, you know, <laughs> it, it didn't hurt uh, for that to be in that particular case. And listen, if it was that severe and real, the Federal Reserve would have been more outspoken about tightening here than they've talked since then. They've recognized that that number is not. That's why a lot of them are gone talking about slowing down 0.25. When realistically, if we had a, we should be booming. There shouldn't be stories of technology companies and people laying off 10, 20,000. Right. We should, be yes. raising, we should be raising, you know, 50, 70, or maybe 100 basis points. So, and, and over time, but it'll be all watered down by then. People will come back and look and say, oh, wow, that number really wasn't true. No, they'll, I mean, it'll, it'll show up in the February numbers anyway, eventually. I mean, the, you know, the February numbers come out in the first first Friday of March. Um, we'll eventually, we'll be able to look back at that and say, okay, well, this is what actually happened with the adjustment. We can say that now, for that matter. Uh, can I say one other thing, Ed? Absolutely. Very, very important. One of the keys in the number, the actual counting, is part-timers. Most of the growth, the majority of it, was in part-time employment. But here's what happens. If I'm working two part-time jobs in order to make my family and meet the needs and so forth, they count me as two people employed, but it's really one person employed doing two jobs. Right. And there's a big difference. Plus, part-timers don't get the benefits usually that a full-timer gets. It's one of the reasons why companies like using part-time if they can and so forth and so on. And the thing we didn't even talk about, and it's an issue here in New Jersey, and maybe save it for if God willing, I could speak with you again. And that is the underfunded pensions that are out there for government oh, yeah. workers. That's the next issue. I mean, they're kicking a storm up here in New Jersey, and there's a lot of states, Illinois and others that have that issue. And again, it all goes into this retirement crisis coming that then people are going to turn to the government. And Ed, we're also bringing in a bunch of millions of people who are basically not going to go right up the food chain. They're going to be on the lower end of the employment and people more dependent on government services. So the strain is just too much. And and and, and the the inevitable pain from it is is just it's just a matter of not if but when. Yep. Well, Peter Grandich, you can find him on Twitter, by the way. He's back on Twitter at Peter Grandich um, and PeterGrandich.com. PeterGrandich.com, excuse me, PeterGrandich.com is the website. And Peter, I actually think the next time we get together, we should talk about the unfunded pensions because that is the next disaster to come. I mean, we could talk about auto loans too, which apparently is going to tip over into a bit of a crisis, but that that pales in comparison to what's going to happen to the pension funds and the bailouts that they're going to require or the poverty they're going to send a, you know millions of Americans into when they, when they fail. But for well, right now... On that well, chart. that's good that we'll talk about that, Ed. So now my business is down 80%. By the time I air that one, it'll be down 100%. <laughs>
There won't be anybody that want to talk to Peter Grandich. I like talking to Peter Grandich. So you and I will always have a chance to talk, Peter. Thanks and, so much and, for being with and us. This man. isn't brown nosing. You're one of the few objective people. When you've disagreed, you've disagreed with me. We had great chats and all. And it's people like you in places that people need to listen to and not the mainstream media. And there's no sucking up in that. That's just the truth. That's I and same right back to you. Um, you have been adamant and consistent all along, and you've been right. And uh, and I think that you have been justified um, and vindicated over the last few years, Peter. And can I send uh, you my bills? Can you pay my bills with that? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna forward those to Salem. Okay. <laughs> Are you gonna be doing uh, any more relevant radio in the future? Yeah, I'm know. back on every other week. You know, relevant radio is a wonderful place. I can talk like this. I can share the fate issues and so forth. In fact, the last time we were on, we got into these retirement issues, age battles. And I think Drew wants to talk about it even more again this Friday. And like I said, it's not going to be heard in the general financial media. It's just not going to happen. And even if I start it, they won't have me back again. Well, you know what? Drew Mariani is just a, a, a really great uh, human being, a great guy. A really true friend, I think, and and one of the best in the business. So relevantradio.com, the Drew Mariani show. And I'm occasionally a guest host there, not quite as often as I used to be. Just and that's mostly because of the work here, not, not anything to do with relevant radio. Um, um, and um, but I'm hoping to do a little bit more of that this year. And um, everybody should be tuning in uh, uh, when Peter's on. That'll be this coming up Friday. The show runs from three to six Eastern time. Uh, at relevantradio.com and it's probably on the air on your uh, radio dial so be sure to tune that in and tune in drew anyway he's just he's a fantastic radio host peter my friend thanks again for being with us today look forward to speaking again at god bless to you and the family god bless you as well sir Now that the political infighting is over and the sausage is being made in the House, it's time for Republicans to unite with one cause and fight back against Joe Biden and his radical administration. The GOP has promised to investigate Biden family corruption, the border big tech censorship collusion, the origins of COVID, the FBI and Intel agencies attacks on the American people and more. And it's time to hold them to those promises. Here at Hot Air, we won't let up on holding them accountable. We unapologetically fight back against the radical left and squishy rhinos in Congress who fail the people. We bring you the truth and go to war against Biden's woke communist agenda. But we need your help. By becoming a VIP for uh, hotair.com, you can help us in this battle for our country. Just look at the House Democrats leader, Hakeem Jeffries. He's another divisive radical leftist and his communist Sesame Street speech proves it. If Republicans don't halt the Biden agenda and conservative media fails to hold them accountable, it could mean the end of our great country. Join us in the fight. Become a Hot Air VIP member or a VIP Gold member today and use the promo code SAVEAMERICA to receive a 40% discount on your membership. Stand with us and fight to save America. We will never give up. And thank you very much.